and may the blessing of Almighty God be in your heart and on your lips so might worthily proclaim the gospel, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Those beautiful words from the prophet Isaiah have echoed really through the centuries. Politicians and kings and queens and diplomats have repeated them over and over again. They've even been inscribed in stone and all kinds of monuments to the great hope for peace in the world. There's a monumental statue just outside the United Nations buildings that, that, that pictures a huge, massive man with a great hammer swinging and turning, yes, a sword into a plowshare. A beautiful sentiment, beautiful hope that all humanity might one day certainly come to live in peace 
with one another. That we will no longer train for wars, we'll no longer prepare for war, we'll no longer have to have war. We'll turn those swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it were easy to do just that? To live up to the hope that's expressed in that beautiful passage from the prophet Isaiah. And isn't it a wonder that no matter how many times we say it, no matter how many stones we engrave those words into, no matter how many monumental bronze statues we make to proclaim that simple hope, century after century after century, we human beings just don't seem to be able to make it. And in fact, with every new century, it seems like it only gets worse. Those swords and spears have turned into weapons that are far more dangerous, not just to an individual, but to the whole world, to the whole planet. So why? Why is it that we can't turn our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks after all these centuries? Perhaps part of the reason is because so many of those politicians and diplomats and kings and queens and prime ministers who echo those words of the prophet Isaiah, those who carve them into stone and public monuments, those who build statues to exemplify that very moment in the, in the scriptures, have done something kind of bad because Though they express the great hope for humanity to live one day in peace, they've kind of carved away the rest of the passage. These words really are not the words of politicians. They're not the words of kings and queens and diplomats. They're the words of a prophet. And when Isaiah speaks these words, there's a context to them. We don't have to read far in advance or far back behind that image of the plowshares and the, the pruning hook to realize that, that what we have done really as human beings is we've taken that hope for peace for humanity and we kind of made it our own. It's we who will do this wonderful deed of turning our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. It's we who will put an end to war. It's we who will no longer train for war. We'll figure this out ourselves. We human beings, we're so smart and we're, we're so intelligent and we're so wise that we can make this happen. And yet, we don't. Precisely because we do not see those words as prophetic words, as words that are intimately tied in to God. Isaiah would not understand taking that image and separating it from his call to Israel to go forth to Jerusalem, to climb the mountain of Jerusalem, the city of God, so that we can learn from God so that we can listen to God, so that we can bend our will to God's will. 
And that our way of walking in this face of this earth can become His way of walking. That it is only by God's light that we are able to truly be ourselves and find peace. Isaiah, when he wrote those words, would not have understood separating them from his call to return to God with all our hearts and all our minds and all our souls. It would not have made sense to him to have simply taken those two little paragraphs, those two little sentences, and separated them from a call to pay attention to all that God, the Lord, has to teach us as human beings. Isaiah would have been very, very familiar, of course, with the story of Adam and Eve and how they lived in peace at one time. And he would also have understood that their great sin, their great failure, was cutting themselves off from listening to God, from the will of God, from bending their will to the will of God. And that was their problem. That was their sin. They were so smart and so intelligent and so wise, they thought, that they no longer needed to listen to God or learn from God or pay attention to God. They could do it themselves. And the result of that was, of course, the first murder, the first weapon, the first war. Cain clobbering Abel over the head and killing his brother and leaving him dead in a field. Isaiah understood that the source of our wars, the source of our hatreds, the source of our endless fighting with one another is the simple fact that we have cut ourselves off from the wisdom and grace and the light of God. That we have made ourselves little gods. That we can fix ourselves. That we can find peace ourselves. That we don't need any greater power to teach us how to live. We can do this ourselves. Isaiah would have said, no, you can't. No, you can't by yourself forge a sword into a plowshare. You can't bend a spear into a pruning hook by yourselves. You human beings, you have to listen to God. You have to look to God. You have to bend your will to God's will if you're going to bend steel from a weapon of war into a tool of life. It's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson for us human beings to acknowledge our intelligence, to acknowledge how smart we are, to acknowledge how many things we've been given, all the things we can invent, all the things we can create, and still listen to God, and still look to God for hope, to still wait on God to reveal to us how it is we are to live so that we can live in peace with one another. God sends to us, as the Gospels proclaim, God sends to us his word made flesh, who shows us the way. As John the Baptist says later in this Advent season, 
You know, this is the Lamb of God. Listen to him. As the Father says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. (coughs) And what does he teach us? What does Jesus teach us? This long-awaited one, this Messiah, this Christ, this anointed one from God above. This Lamb of God. He teaches us compassion for the poor and the broken, for the weak, for the sinner. He teaches us to not judge. He teaches us to welcome. Maybe most of all, he teaches us to forgive. To turn the other cheek. To give that extra cloak to the poor. But mostly just forgive. And that is the way to peace. If we as individuals can forgive out of respect and love for the poor and the weak and the broken, out of respect and love even for our enemies, then we will know peace then our spear will be turned into a pruning hook. And if the nations of this earth can learn to forgive, if they can truly forgive their enemies, then all those swords can be turned into plowshares. And we will no longer prepare for war. And we will no longer kill our brothers and our sisters. And finally, 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 listening to God, we will know and find the way of peace. And Isaiah's Advent prayer will become a prayer that comes true. O house of Jacob, come. Come and walk in the way of light.